So voting can be a complicated issue for a lot of people. Getting and staying informed on candidates and issues can be difficult and frankly overwhelming. And being one of the millions can easily make voting feel like a pretty futile exercise. So what we want to talk about is what does ethics tell us about voting? I'm Miranda Bartos with the Markle Center for Applied Ethics, and discussing this topic with me today are my guests, Professor Scott Labarge and former mayor of the city of Santa Clara, Judy Nadler. So, Professor Labarge, who are you at SCU? Uh, I'm a professor in the philosophy and classics departments. I've been here since 2000. And just as a side note, I also uh, am a faculty director in one of the residence halls. Former Mayor Judy Nadler, who are you at SCU? Well, I came to SCU after serving as the mayor of Santa Clara, and I began the government ethics program here at the Markle Center for Applied Ethics and was the director of that program for 11 years. And then also you were the mayor of the city of Santa Clara. I was yeah. the mayor of Santa Clara, and uh, during that period of time, our city uh, developed and adopted a comprehensive code of ethics and values, which is now a both state and national award-winning program and a model for government agencies around the world. Awesome. That is so cool. The golden age of Santa Clara governance. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we are so happy to have you both here today. So we're going to jump in um, with a possibly deceptively simple question. Are we ethically obligated to vote? Or perhaps is it unethical not to vote? Those might have different answers. I want to start by saying that not voting, I, mean, if, I tend to think there is some sort of, of moral Obligations may be too strong. There are moral reasons to vote. But I don't think it rises to the level of, uh, you know, if, if you don't do it, you're a horrible person and, and uh, moral reprobate and things like that. I also think there are lots of ways of being involved and contributing to the common good and being a, a, a thoroughgoing member of your community. And they don't all have to imply voting. But voting is also really pretty easy. It's even not that hard to vote in an informed way. And given those facts and given the many purposes that voting serves, um, I, yeah, I tend to think that there are good moral reasons to vote that typically, not in every case, but typically outweigh the reasons not to vote. Well, Scott, I would agree with you on that. I think that we have a obligation it's really a right, first of all, to vote. That's been given to us, that right to vote um, and to weigh in as to who's going to represent us. But we also have a responsibility to inform ourselves uh, so that we can make the best choice available um, to us. And, you know, Abraham Lincoln talked about democracy as government uh, of the people, by the people, and for the people. And if you agree with that, and I think it's a pretty good statement, you actually, um, if you don't have the people involved, you don't have any of those things. It's not of the people, it's not by the people, and it's not for the people. So I would agree with Scott. I, I, I would not um, say that 
categorically someone was unethical or lacked a moral compass if they did not vote, but I would be hard-pressed to find a reason for you not to vote because you can do it in so many ways that um, I don't think that there are too many excuses other than failing to register. Yep. I think personally what I hear among people my age um, is that they don't feel like it's right for them to vote if they aren't informed. And sometimes the information that we have access to can seem pretty biased and it can be overwhelming to try and find things that aren't. Um, and like the feeling of having to be educated and informed on all of the issues and candidates being voted on, that can be a huge barrier, I think, to people who might otherwise be engaged in the democratic process. So do you think in situations like this, is it more ethical to abstain from voting because you don't feel you know the material well enough and you don't want to make an, like the wrong, uninformed decision? Or is it more important that you vote regardless because it's in the interest of the common good that everyone participate in the democratic process? Well, I would first say that um, it would be impossible for for any of us to be informed on every single issue. Right. And so setting that, that high standard for, for yourself, particularly if you're a student, is unrealistic. And again, kind of a poor excuse for not for not registering or not voting. If you cannot inform yourself on all the subjects, think about the things that are most important to you. What matters to you? What will matter to your future, to your perhaps children that you might have in the future? And try to find out as much as you can about how the candidates stand on those issues or what the propositions are and what impact they will have on you. And if all else fails and you don't even have time for that, I don't always agree with um, the endorsement process, but it can be very enlightening just to see who stands behind which candidates or which propositions. And if you have respect for the people who have put their name out in support of a certain candidate or a proposition, then I think that should give you a sense of comfort in knowing that someone who is better informed perhaps than you are is willing to support that candidate and is actually going to vote for that candidate. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I also think, I mean, there's a couple things to say here. Number one, I actually think if you really haven't studied up on anything in the political world, then you probably shouldn't vote. Um, I, I really think that if you're going to vote, you have to take it seriously, and that means being at least minimally informed about what's at stake and, and who the people you might be voting for are and what the propositions actually mean and things like that. But that said, it's really not that hard to get informed, even to find relatively unbiased sources. I mean, for instance, both parties have their platforms available online, and that will tell you in broad terms what the parties see themselves as standing for, and it's not hard to tell the difference between them, right? Um, and also, you know, there are, are online quizzes that you can take, you know, ask you what your preferences are in any number of different policy areas, and then they'll say your best fit is candidate so-and-so. And, you know, some of those are biased, but not all of them are, and it's not, I don't think, super hard to tell which are which. Um, 
And and also, you know, newspapers, I know these these archaic things we call newspapers, <laughs> often have voter guides where they will give you a list of suggestions as to who the editors of the newspaper feel are the best qualified for the jobs. Now, that that's not probative. It's not as though that answers all possible questions. But uh, for instance, with one of our presidential candidates, my, my understanding is that last count, that candidate has like 67 newspaper endorsements, and the other one has zero newspaper endorsements. That tells you something, right? So again, it's not probative, and I could imagine reasonable people deciding that's not what mattered to them most. But it's not hard to find this information. And I think students who tell themselves, oh, it's, you know, I can't possibly become an expert in every area, they're kidding themselves and it's an excuse to be lazy. It doesn't take that much work. And I can say it can be quite entertaining. When John Stewart was on, uh, he was actually a source of, I think, many, many young people uh, used him as a news source more so than the than the networks. I certainly did. Uh, John Oliver is right on the mark with yeah. many things, and he has uh, in a in a recent uh, uh, show of his, he did an analysis of both of the candidates, and and he had uh, very very correct and insightful things to say about both of them and their weaknesses. And so if you aren't going to be reading the New York Times or, or some other publication, and if you just feel like you, you can't do that, you certainly can turn into late-night TV uh, and find at least sparks of, of uh, issues that might interest you. And, you know, I, I just don't think that there's a good excuse for not having at least a rudimentary idea of what's going on. And I want to say also there are issues, local issues on the ballot that are very, very important. And often students ignore those. But if they have to do, for example, I'm thinking of issues that may be of interest to students, which would be cannabis, um, gender equality, those sorts of things be, if you care about those things because they are going to impact you, then it would be in your best interest to find out where the candidates stand on those issues. Right. And your vote matters a lot more in a local election too. I mean, it's kind of crazy that people only turn out for the presidential elections when really they will have the most impact at the local level where their vote can actually be quite important. So Students, do you think it's more important that people vote in local elections? It's more pragmatic. <laughs> it, it, it's going to matter a lot more to the actual outcome. A small group of committed citizens can make a huge difference at the local level. A huge difference. I can be your illustration of how that happens. I ran for city council as a virtual unknown in 1985. And I was not born and raised in Santa Clara, which has traditionally been the way that you become a member of the city council. I was born in Oregon. I was educated back east. I worked up in Menlo Park. I had a child, a baby, a one-year-old. I, I did, And I was a woman. All of these were definite strikes against me. And I filed for office the day before the, or the day of the filing deadline. 
And so I was not expected to win. And I worked very, very hard and went door to door and really explained my platform. And it wasn't the, we should have safe streets and we should have good schools and that. It was really very, uh, I actually had a platform. And much to everyone's surprise, I won by three votes. And I cannot tell you in the years that I served in public office, which were many years, nine years on the city council, eight years as the mayor, how many people came up to me and said, I'm the one that got you elected. My wife and I, it was quarter to eight. The polls were going to close. We grabbed our daughter and said, let's go vote. Or people said, I voted absentee before I went on vacation, and I know that that's why you won. And to every one of those individuals, I said, you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Your vote counts. Now, having said that, I want to make sure that you know that I was reelected by a stunning majority. <laughs> <laughs> I was went on to become the mayor and was reelected by an even bigger majority. So um, that is only uh, to let you know that uh, everyone's vote counts in every election. But that is before Florida had hanging chads and before everyone wondered if Al Gore won or not. It was truly a grassroots, every person's voice counts. And I cannot emphasize that enough because I lived that. My community lived that. And it was a huge turning point, opened the gates to um, many changes in our city, open government, a lot of reform. So people should not just look at the top of the ballot. Something else I wanted to add about being informed before you vote. You know, it's not as though you have to check a, a box in every single category, too. So if there's stuff that you know about and care about, go check those boxes. And if there's stuff where you really feel uninformed and your vote would be essentially just a shot in the dark, Maybe don't vote those parts, but you don't have to turn in a complete ballot. You can just vote on the stuff that you feel informed about and care about. And I'm, I'm going to say something horrible because Judy is married to a judge, but often when I get to the judges, I have no idea who these people are, <laughs> right? And so un unless, um, you know, Judge Nadler is on the list, I'm like, I don't know who these people are. So unless I've had the time to go through and actually get some sense of which judges I want, you know, judging our cases... I will sometimes leave those blank, and I don't feel ashamed about that. I feel like that's part of being a responsible voter. So what I'm taking away from this is that the system isn't perfect, and voters don't need to be either. Like, you can pick the things that you care about and vote for them. You don't have to be informed about absolutely everything to still be a voter, and that's good. I think that's right. And I think that also, if you vote and you encourage your friends to vote or you have a election party or you all go out together and vote and then go out and have coffee or a beer or whatever, um, that that's a good thing. And to watch the, watch the process unfold and then to realize that you now have an opportunity to actually have a say in what happens. You have opened the door to what will be a greater conversation. And it's 
it's exhilarating. I know that sounds hard to believe. It's not like one of those rides at Great America that'll <laughs> make your heart stop. Well, however, however, it's pretty darn exciting, actually, to realize that in many places you do not have a right to speak. You do not have a right to voice your opinion on anything. You cannot. You cannot write a letter to the editor. You cannot vote. This is a free country, and we should never take that for granted. You know, I think it's also important to keep in mind that when we vote, we actually are doing several different things simultaneously. So one thing we're doing is we're helping to decide the direction of our country, and that's really important. So the, the way the elections turns out helps determine the direction the ship of state sails and, and what the rules are going to be on board. <clears throat> and that's really important for all of us. So there's those very practical reasons. But we also communicate with each other and with our leadership what we care about and, and how we care about it. And um, when, when students, when young people fail to vote, they are basically letting people fill in for them what their generation cares about. And they are also reducing the likelihood that the leadership is going to listen to them because the way you get them to listen to you is to turn out at the booths on election day and show them that if they don't pay attention to you, they're going to pay a penalty for it. But also, beyond all that, we also, when we vote, we, we express with each other our solidarity, right? We have a very diverse country. People come from all over. We have so many different traditions, so many different ways of life, so many different religions and worldviews, all living together in one society. And that means there's a lot of forces that always are threatening to pull us apart. But one thing that hopefully everybody shares is a commitment to democracy, a commitment to living together peacefully and resolving our differences through compromise and, and through democracy rather than the alternatives. And when we show up and vote, we are expressing that set of values. Whatever you vote for, you are saying, I'm committed to the democratic process. I'm committed to the thing that unifies us as a nation, right? And that is, I think, really important. I think it's morally important not just to vote, but to wear the sticker that says, I voted, right? If you vote by mail, go and get yourself a sticker so that on election day, you can wear that sticker and say, I voted. And I think if your, your peers see you wearing that sticker, that's going to, I mean, it's actually proven that that gets more people out in voting too. Just seeing that their friends are voting gets more people to vote. Scott, you make a great point because whenever I see someone wear one of those little stickers that said, I gave blood today, I think, wow, that's amazing. You know, you could actually, you could save a person's life by giving blood. When you see, when I see someone who voted, I feel the same, wow, that person took the time and, and went to the ballot box or went to the mailbox, which by the way, it costs no money for you to mail your ballot in. And it's counted just as though you walked in and were in the ballot booth. And if I absolutely agree with Scott that if young people in particular opt out of any election, they are sending a message that they don't care and someone else is going to step in who does care and they may not have your interests at heart. They may have a completely different agenda for you and it's your future 
it's your future. It's not, it, it doesn't belong to me anymore. It doesn't belong really to Scott. It belongs to his children. It certainly belongs to my children. And if they have children, their children. But if you opt out, you are basically saying someone else can step in who may not have the same beliefs, who may not care as I do about these issues, and I'm giving them my voice. I have put mute. I have pressed pause. I've stepped away, and someone else has filled my spot, and they may be radically different in their viewpoint. And so when you think about it that way, it can be kind of scary to think that someone else who has a radically different idea that may not be in your best interest is actually speaking on your behalf and electing someone to office who does not have your interests at heart. I mean, I, mean, I know there are students out there, too, whose favorite candidate didn't make it through the primaries. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I won't say who I'm going to vote for, but I was probably going to vote. I would have liked to be, to have been able to cast a vote for Bernie Sanders. Where's my Bernie sticker? I know. I should, I should have worn my, my Bernie shirt today. But, <laughs> um, but obviously that didn't work out. But um, Bernie himself will tell you if in a, a fit of peak you stay home and wash your hands of the whole thing, that doesn't make anything better. It doesn't give the people who you want to see hold power, it doesn't give them a stronger hand, it weakens their hand, because you're dealing yourself out of the next round, essentially says to the, the people who are still in play that they can ignore you. And you don't want that. Even if it means, you know, swallowing hard and, and voting for someone who you have a beef against, if, if that keeps you in the game and it keeps them listening to you and it in, increases the strategic position of the people who you do support, that's a good reason to go and do it. Plus, you get the sticker. Well, and I have to say, Scott, no one is perfect. And so there, I don't think, has ever been a candidate who has been 100% in alignment with the person who's voting for that candidate, either on a policy issue or on a personality issue. Um, and so really, we, we can't expect perfection because none of us are perfect and it is not a perfect world. And, and the world changes every single day. This idea that you have to be 100% in love with whoever it is that you're voting for is completely unrealistic. Mm -hmm. As we have found out, everyone has has chinks in the armor. Everybody has something that's, you know, not that great about them. But honestly, we can't seek perfection because it's not possible. A friend of mine who used to teach here in the economics department, this guy named Dan Klein, uh, used to use this analogy with me that voting for a presidential candidate is like going to the grocery store, but you don't get to go down the aisles with your cart and pull the things off the shelf that you want. Instead, there's a couple of carts waiting for you, already filled with all sorts of stuff. And maybe some of the stuff in each cart you like, probably there's some stuff you really don't care about, and probably there's some stuff you really don't want. But here, you get to pick one of these carts, right? And that's just the reality. If you want to have a cart with absolutely and nothing but the stuff that you want in it, you have to run for office yourself. 
Bingo. And that's maybe not a bad thing to think about. Some of you in in this coming generation, one of these days, some of you are going to be holding the reins of power. We don't know which ones. If you want one who is actually going to agree with you on everything, start learning how to campaign. I, that was going to be exactly what I said. I had a discussion about this. I've had this discussion with so many people over so many years, but my husband and I were discussing this last night, and we both kind of looked at each other and said, the only perfect candidate is the person who steps up to run because they believe they are the best. And... And so thank you for affirming that notion because uh, it is important for young people to think about whether they run for a position in their um, club or in student government. These are all great ways to see firsthand that you can direct policy to make things better. You can make the world a better place, little bit by little bit whether it be having better food on campus or having fair trade coffee, those are all things that came up through the student ranks. They're the things that have changed because the students have said this is what we think is important. So on the smallest, from the smallest level, if you will say, you know, supporting the, the staff and the workers' rights on up to what we do with our international policy, it all matters. And it's very exciting to be um, a part of this discussion and to have um, the opportunity to just share some thoughts about, about voting and then the importance of it. I want to go back to something I think you said earlier, Professor Labarge, about that goes a lot with, I think you both kind of said it, but goes a lot with what I was planning on talking about next, which is that I, a lot of what I hear from my peers also is that voting, particularly in this election, feels pointless because it feels like picking between the lesser of two evils, which first off is just ridiculous because you just identified one as less evil than the other. So obviously one is better because it's less evil. But anyway... This strikes me as a pretty good uh, specifically ethical issue um, because there's the utilitarian framework that says that we have the ethical obligation to pick the option that does, if not the most good, it does the least harm. Um, and I think that fits particularly for this election, but also for voting in general. Um, that like going back also to the whole you don't have to be perfectly informed on everything, that like you just have to be informed enough that you're able to pick the thing that does the least amount of harm. And I just wanted to know what you guys kind of thought about this. You know, I'd even use a medical analogy. And I'd say, you know, there are situations where you have to undergo some kind of medical intervention. And the question is, which is it going to be? And maybe none of the alternatives are something that you would like be excited about, right? Nobody wants to go under the knife at all, but some are more invasive, some are less invasive, some are going to lead to longer term sorts of issues, some less. And if you really do think it's the lesser of two evils, I tell you what, the lesser of two evils can matter a lot, a lot. I'd rather lose my appendix than, like, an arm. That's a very reasonable sort of preference, I think. <laughs> well, and you can either... Have a root canal and have your very severely infected 
tooth removed, or you can go into septic shock and spend two weeks in the ICU and possibly not make it So to the other, you know. Yeah. It really is, gee, it would be, I would hate to have a root canal. I can say that because I've had one. <laughs> but honestly, I've also witnessed a family member go into septic shock, and that was terrifying and life-threatening. And so I take the root canal. Yeah, makes sense. So one of the things that I did was I went out and asked students what their thoughts on this sort of were. So the first thing I asked students was whether they were registered to vote um, and then whether they were planning on voting in this election and why or why not. So we're going to hear a little bit about what they had to say about that. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I don't know. Possibly not. Yes. Uh, actually, I am. Yes. Not really, no. I am going to vote in this election. Oh, uh, I guess it's civic duty. Well, first of all, it's important. I'm also 18, so I'm very excited to vote for the first time. And um, this is a very important presidential election. Anyone but Trump. I think he's just, he's racist. He's hot-headed. I don't think he'll represent us well globally. I don't think he knows what he's doing. I just, he's a terrible person. Um, I do not like either candidate vehemently, but it is my civic duty to vote, and I am going to make sure that I can do everything in my power to not let Donald Trump uh, step foot in the White House. I think that it's important to vote, and it's important to be heard, and I feel like every vote counts. Because voting is really important. It's our civic duty. I'm really passionate about voting. I, I want to have a voice in what my representatives think or which representatives are elected for us. And then I also asked students uh, whether they planned on voting just for the presidential election or whether they paid attention to any of the like lower political positions like what we just talked about, about how you have more impact at a lower level. We call them down ballot. Down ballot, not lower political. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, down ballot. All right. It's pretty interesting to hear what people have to say about that. So let's hear. Yeah, I do want to vote in lo local politics and kind of the policies, but I haven't actually taken a look at them yet, but I plan to. I don't really pay attention to the lower ones, but I know this is bad, but because I don't really hear much news about them, and I probably won't do too much personal research, I think I'm, if I have any close friends who share my values and they know who they're voting for, I'll probably ask them like who they're voting for and why. Probably. I might take a look at, like, like of the propositions and all that stuff, but yeah, to be honest, I don't understand it that well, so. I definitely do my research on other candidates as well. Yeah, I vote in local elections all the time. It's important. You should all vote. Yeah, maybe for local elections, because that has, seems to have a bigger impact. I don't pay attention, really, to anything lower. For the most part, I don't so much pay attention to them as they're doing their campaigns but when it does come to voting if they're on my ballot I look up the people who uh, are in the same party that I usually align with and see if I like them and then go from there all right so with all of that in mind do you folks have any last words of wisdom for our listeners it is an opportunity to make a difference and to have your voice heard and I think that every student 
who is eligible, and that is most students, because most of them are over 18, uh, have the opportunity to do something really significant. And none of us probably in our lives will have the opportunity to do something that changes the world. Just I, I personally won't probably find a cure for cancer or do something <laughs> like that. But if every single one of us do something small, even like voting, together we can change the world and we can make it a better place. And I really want to emphasize that I really, if there's one thing I could get students, apart from just voting, if I could get them to, to embrace one thing, it's that it shouldn't be a four-year exercise. It should be an annual exercise because the stuff that happens in non-presidential years matters just as much. And if you only show up once every four years, you are not going to find your issues getting the attention that they deserve. The, there are a lot of parts of our government, and if you only focus on the presidency, you are letting so much other stuff go by the wayside, and I tell you, it will come back and bite you. So it's got to be an annual thing. I want students to see themselves, to identify themselves as voters, as politically involved, to have that be part of their self-image, and, and have that be like every November, yep, it's time. Let's go to the polls. Let's get this done. If you're going to move, if you're going to go to a new place— Right when you go to register for your new driver's license, you register to vote as well because it's, it's just as important, maybe more important. All right. Okay, so vote. Do it. Do it often. If for nothing else, then do it for the sticker. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you both very much. This has been a great conversation on the Big Q Podcast.